Hi, welcome to The Narrow Gate. My name is Corey Pfeffer. I'm Gary's wife, and I'm here to talk to you today about the zeal of the Lord. So zeal is an interesting word. I think we've heard it all in uh, probably a lot of times, maybe a negative context. So I want to first look at what that word means. And uh, it comes from the Greek word zealous, which is ardor or fervor of spirit. And if you look it up in a, if you look it up in the dictionary, the general definition is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a, a uh, an objective or a course of action. So. Again, I mean, a lot of times I think we've heard people talk about religious zealots in a um, an unflattering way, and that certainly can be the case. But I want to look at the scripture specifically and look at what it means to be zealous or to have zeal um, for the Lord. And we're going to look at a passage in Numbers, and we're going to look at some other passages of scripture and also take a look at what's going on in our culture today and where we stand as the body of Christ in terms of our our zealousness for the Lord and our commitment and enthusiasm to honoring his word and walking out in obedience. So turn with me to Numbers 25. I'm going to read um, verse 1 through 13 to give you some context from this from this story. So this is uh, regarding the sin of Peor. And I'm reading from the NASB. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor. And the Lord was angry against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So I'm going to stop there for a minute. So they have just followed Moses' directive and slain those who have joined themselves to worshiping this other god. And that has just happened. And so that's why they're weeping. They're weeping because they've just seen that justice carried out. And it was hard to see that happen. And again, this might seem very harsh and certainly, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily react this way today. But I also want to put this in context that, you know, the Lord he made a covenant with Israel. He 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 made a covenant with them, and the covenant he made with them, you know, they they entered into a marriage covenant, a spiritual covenant with the Lord. And they basically were seeing how the Lord had ransomed them out of Egypt. You know, he brought them th- across the Red Sea. You know, the, is- the Egyptians pursued them and were overtaken by the Red Sea. And-, and Israel left with the treasures of Egypt in their hands. And 
the Lord provided food for them in the desert. And the Lord guided them with the pillar of fire um, and, and the pillar of, you know, so, so it, the Lord had led them and personally been tending to every need that they had in redeeming them from slavery in Egypt, um, which is another representation of his redemption of all of us through Jesus. And so when you're in a relationship with somebody, you expect them to be faithful. You expect faithfulness from the person that you marry, you know, the person you're in relationship or covenant with. And so then here they're going off and, you know, giving themselves to other gods, which is, you know, unfaithful. But then here we're seeing, again, they've just been told that, you know, they need to, they need to slay the men that have, that have decided to join themselves to Baal, which was, which was the, one of the ways they worship Baal was through ritual prostitution, ritual child sacrifice. So this is not, you know, this was, this was a despicable, despicable type of worship to a despicable God, downright satanic worship to this God, Baal. And, and then to, to act as if they can come back and they can be part of, you know, Israel and part of the tent and part of the, the fellowship and the community after doing those things. I think that we do need to realize how horrific some of the acts that were associated with worshiping that God really were. And, and so that it gives us a context for the Lord's response. But then again, we go back and we're seeing they've just killed these people who have been disobedient by worshiping Baal. And now one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman. And the, the Midianites were the ones that got them, you know, introduced them and brought them into worshiping Baal. And so it's kind of like right in the sight of everybody who's weeping over the ones that were just slain, he brings back this woman right in their face. So this is really uh, brazen. It's brazen. And, um, you know, they're, like I said, they're weeping at the doorway, the tent, they're, they're weeping. They're crying out over what's just happened. And now it says in verse 7, When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through the body. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. So that ended the plague. And it says in verse 9, those who died by the plague were 24,000. So a great number had died. Because of that plague, because of this this evil that had been permitted. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Meaning all the sons of Israel. I'm taking it to me. Therefore say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sight for the sons of Israel. So God's response to Phinehas 
his heart was moved. Phineas, his heart was moved. He was jealous for the Lord. He was, he was upset on the Lord's behalf that on how the people have acted on, on this brazen act of this man to just bring this, you know, this woman who worshipped the other gods that represented what just brought so many to lose their lives and go astray. And he, his heart was breaking for God, for God's heart and for the covenant that God gave them. He was grieved. And, and the Lord, you know, because he saw that he had his heart, he gave him this covenant of peace. And not only for himself, but his descendants after him. And so I want to just highlight the fact that this, this zeal, this jealousness for the Lord, this fervor, resulted in, in, in a covenant of peace. It resulted in a deeper covenant. It resulted in something that was passed down, not just for him and his lifetime, but his actions were passed down to bless and benefit his descendants after him. That is powerful. So I just want us to take that in for a minute and, and absorb how powerful the Lord views our, our jealousness of him and our covenant with him, our relationship with them, that we should not take it for granted, we should not take it lightly, and that, that having that zeal is is a good thing. Um, so if we look at other times in the scripture where we see the word zeal come up, um, and in John 2.17, it says that Jesus, his disciples, remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. And that was written right after Jesus turned over the temple, turned over the, the, the tables, and the money changer tables in the temple of the Lord, where they were basically defiling the house of God by treating it as a way to... I mean, it wasn't just that they were doing business in the house of God, but... They were selling the sacrifices to the people, but they were at extremely high prices. They were taking advantage of the poor and not just selling things. It was, it was price gouging. It was, it was a despicable way to profit off the poor who were coming to um, buy the sacrifices. And, and, and it was really, um, it was really you know, grieving in his heart and his spirit that the poor were being taken advantage of right in his temple, in his house. And that should anger us. That should give us zeal. Um, and that zeal, it was mentioned in Psalm 119, verse 13. It was mentioned. Um, and then they, they quoted it back how it was written because that was prophesying about Jesus. And so it was showing how Jesus... And his zeal and his jealousness, his having that heart after God. Again, it looked violent. It looked a little strange or a little crazy. Um, but, you know, that was the appropriate response. That was our Savior. That was Jesus, who was God in, in flesh. Who, you know, had exhibited that passion over being so upset over this wrong, this injustice that was being done to the poor and his followers and also to the, to his father's house. And so again, I just want to put that in perspective for us that, you know, while everything we do, we need to be, um, we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We need to be following his heart. 
but I think our in our culture, I think we need a little bit of a heart adjustment that that doesn't necessarily look like tolerance all the time. And that tolerance can easily become complacency. It can easily become non-confrontation. And that is not in the scripture. There's nothing in the scripture that says that we don't confront sin, that we don't confront evil, that we look the other way, that we ignore, that we say it's not really that bad, it's not my place to, you know, it's not my place to judge. Certainly we don't condemn people, certainly we don't act out in violence, certainly we don't do those things, and I'm, I'm not saying that whatsoever, but I do think that we have been conditioned in a sense to believe that walking in a God-honoring, Christ-like spirit means that we are just quiet and nice and we don't, we don't say anything. If somebody is bringing something into the church or into our family that is contrary, that we just, we just need to be quiet and tolerate. That is not true. It is not biblical. And I want to read for you from Revelations. It's chapter 3. verse uh, 15 and this is the this is the message to this is the message to the church in Philadelphia no I'm sorry to the church in Laodicea and um, he says just tracking right before that to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God says this I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise from you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Thank you for listening to The Narrow Gate. We are glad that you've joined us and we invite you to like this podcast and follow us at Power in Perryville on Facebook and MeWe. Subscribe and press the bell on YouTube. The Narrow Gate's new podcasts, videos, and updates will be on these platforms, as well as Buzzsprout and Apple Podcasts. To contact us directly, please email us at powerinpville at gmail.com. We are grateful for you, our viewers, and would love to hear from you. And remember, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I think he's still saying that to some of us today. I think that there are a lot of things in this world right now that as believers, we need to stand up and say no. This is not okay. We can all vote however we want. We all have freedom to speak. 
And I feel like so many of us are afraid to speak because it's unpopular. We're afraid to say, no, that's not coming in my house because everybody else is watching it. What are we doing with our money? Are we supporting things that promote causes that we know are corrupt and evil? What are we letting our children watch? Are we letting our children watch things? And I'm, there's a lot of things that look good and they're innocent. And, and one of them's down in Florida. There's a great big, there's a great big uh, kingdom down there. And, and that stuff is full of evil. It's full of corruption. If you have eyes to see it and if you look for it, it's there. And just because it may not be overt or very obvious, doesn't mean that there's not a spiritual impact on our children. There's an agenda out there to steal the lives of our children, the innocence of our children, and distort their learning, distort their minds, raise them up with different ideals that are non-scriptural. The, the God of Baal is alive and well today. It's alive and well today, and there are many who worship it in this country. In many ways, the blood of our children is being offered up, even now, and how many of us are saying, oh, that's just, that's somebody else's choice. You know, that's, that's not my choice. Or we're buying products that, you know, animals are being tormented for those products. Or children who are aborted, their, their tissues, their blood is being used in that medical advancement. What are we profiting from? What are we using? What kind of things are we consuming that are tainted? And... I know this isn't easy to hear, but I believe that God wants, he wants a spotless bride. He doesn't want a lackluster bride. He wants a bride who's zealous for him, who's zealous for purity, not a bride that says, how much can I get away with and still, still have a clear conscience at night? How much can I allow into my home? And spend my money on and still sleep at night and still be in God's good graces. That's not the question of a, a, a zealous lover. A zealous lover who's so excited about his, his bride or his wife or husband doesn't say, well, how much do I really have to, how much do I really have to love you for our relationship to work? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that question? If you really love someone, you can't wait to please them. You can't wait to honor them. You, you, you look for all the ways to guard and protect your relationship. And you do it joyfully because you know that in this marriage, you're the one, you're the one that's married, married up. You're the one that's married to the God who has everything to offer. The God of love who redeemed us from the curse, who gave us freedom from sin, who gave us freedom from the corruption within ourselves, who's so good. He loves us so much. There's nothing bad. There's nothing good, I should say. There's nothing good that he withholds from us. He's not holding back good things from us as part of a weird dysfunctional relationship. Like, that is not who he is. He only has good things for us. And anything that's not not a right or not allowed inside that covenant it's not even good for us so he's just he's so good so i asked lord i asked lord that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a desire to not just not to focus on the, the evil things no but to just focus on how can i 
how can I become more zealous for you? How can my heart be transformed so that it's not about what do I have to do, but it's a desire to be pure. It's a desire to be spotless. It's a desire to remove anything that could spiritually taint us or our children from our lives because we just don't want it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And again, I just want to remind you when, when God, when God was looking at David, you know, David, he said, David is a man after my own heart. And David wasn't perfect. He had issues. He had problems, but he was a man after God's own heart. He was zealous for the Lord. And even when Saul, even when he had opportunities to, you know, defend himself against Saul, he said, you know, who should, how should I touch the Lord's anointing? I, I should not touch the Lord's anointed. He respected God, and that's why he didn't kill Saul to defend his own life. He trusted God that that God will deal with Saul. And and so that's the other the other point is you know, the areas where we're seeing parts of the body of Christ that are not are not where they should be. Our heart should be we will not touch the Lord's anointed. We will pray blessing over them. We will pray that they will see things. We will pray for the young voices coming up, the Davids who are coming up, the new generation that is coming forth. That new generation will have a greater zeal for the Lord than we do. Thank God. I hope my daughter has a greater zeal for the Lord than I have. That's what we want. That's what we need. We need to guard this new generation. We need to guard our children. We need to guard their minds, what they're taught, what they're shown. There is nothing more critical right now than pursuing that and seeing what, seeing how the Lord wants to teach them and being willing to cut off. If our eye causes us to sin, cut it off. If our Netflix causes us to sin, cut it off. If what we buy from the store causes us to sin or support sin, cut it off. Stop buying it. We can do without. There's a lot we can do without in this country. We are, we are so spoiled and blessed, but we don't need all those things. What we need is purity of heart. That's what we need. And the Lord will give it to us. He will show us how to get there. But we will bless those who, who, you know, don't see it the way we do. We're not going to shame people. That's what the enemy does. I am not talking about shaming people. I'm having, I'm talking about having courage to stand for our convictions and not be moved and not be afraid and not cave into quote tolerance, which is to let everybody walk all over you and trash trash your neighborhood, neighborhood, trash your laws, trash your school systems, teach the kids whatever you want, pass whatever bills they want. No, we have a voice and we need to stand up and we need to use it. But we need to also pray and show love and respect to those that are that are the Lord's anointed, even if they're not seeing it right now, even if they're not walking the way they need to walk yet. Because it's more important that our heart is right before the Lord. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for this message. I thank you that this is a tough message. That I'm still working out for myself. What does it mean? What does it look like? What's it going to cost me? It is going to cost us something. But what we're gonna, what we, what you're going to give us is worth more than what it's going to cost. 
I ask, Lord, that you would break us free from the fear of man. I ask that you would break us free from wanting to be like the world, wanting to fit in with the world, being afraid of making drastic changes to our lifestyles or our culture, cultural practices or beliefs. We help us to be uh, have the courage to put things on the altar and not take them back. I just thank you, Lord, for those who do have ears to hear, those that are seeking you, that are searching for you, who want to be, who want to examine their hearts before you. Because the greatest thing that we can have is to have our hearts refined by you. And we trust you to do it and teach us how to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.